Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today we're going to be talking about 15 things that need to stop happening at Mass. Yeah, these are those things that you see happen at Mass that make you cringe, that you say these have no place in the Mass, and they need to stop. Well, the thing that really gets my goad, and the first one on my list, is... So welcome back to the studio. Uh, Ryan, Father Rich, good to be with you. We're going to be goading about things. Goading. Right? Goating. Goading. Goating. Apparently goat. that's a thing. Yeah. Not goading. Goat. Goat. Not with a T. Goat. Yes. D. Goad. Yeah. yeah. Today we're talking about all those things that happen in mass that, look, to anybody who sees them, they know that this does not belong here. And they found their way into the liturgy. Uh, practices that don't belong there were never meant to be there, but have started happening. And... They need to stop. I am expecting Ryan Shield at his greatest form tangentially complaining <laughs> this entire episode. <laughs> That's Pretty, what I want. Well, I went to one of your liturgies and I was just taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> and you had a list of at least 25 like, things, but he yeah. had to bring it down to yeah, bad. only got two hours. Yeah, yeah. Bad beard. Bad beard. <laughs> Tacky vestments. <laughs> no, you actually have very nice vestments. Thank you. You do. Yeah. So... But you got a bad beard, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beards, it's all right. I trimmed it. Yeah. So some of these things, I would say almost all of these things are very indicative of the post-Vatican II church, but not all of them are necessarily a Vatican II thing. A lot of these things are really about the attitudes that people have taken towards attending Mass as well. So some are actually praxis, other are really the attitudes and the behaviors of the people at Mass. Some of them are problems that have crept into the church time and time again over generations, and some of them are very modern problems that we are only now starting to experience. Mm. So now, before we talk about these 15 things that need to be removed from the Mass, why don't you tell everyone how they can uh, get in touch with us and find out more? Well, the number one thing to do for that is to go to catholictalkshow.com. You'll see all the ways that you could listen in from Stitcher to Google Play to the podcast forums on Apple and certainly on YouTube. We are shooting here in the studio at U Catholic Studios and our materials get uploaded to YouTube. If you check out the Catholic Talk Show, be sure to hit subscribe and click the little bell next to the subscribe button so that you'll be notified every time we produce a video. And certainly our patrons through patreon.com forward slash Catholic Talk Show. These are our patrons that support the show and make sure that this material gets out through the enters of webs to reach the furthest communities that we possibly can. I mean, Shield, we've we have a pretty far reach now with the show. We do. I mean, we've been on six continents, uh, over a hundred countries. I've lost track of it. Um, we are aired in multiple countries at this point, uh, from the Middle East to Central America, all over the world. So, you know, this um, this little thing that we're doing is. Um, doing better than we thought it would. It's been a lot. It's been a lot of fun, yeah. and I always look forward to producing this material with you and and sharing some thoughts on the thing that we love the most, right. which is our Catholic faith and mm -hmm. our love for the Lord, and certainly our love for Our Lady. And you know, looking looking at what the fifteen things are that that uh, that you're going to share with us in this show, I mean, really, they probably started with some. You know, maybe some pastoral ideas or maybe some some thoughts like maybe this will be good. 
Yeah, so they're they're experimenting, and you know when we when we share these things, it's not to accuse the people who invented or came up with the idea. We're just questioning the idea as it relates to its purpose well, and its not. end. They need to stop. See, I knew you were going to uh, go there. Yeah. Here we go. This is going to be very very entertaining. Yeah, you know, and and in the mass, you know, I mean, like seventy percent of Catholics. The study says that they don't believe in the Eucharist. So I mean, we've got a lot of Catholics that just, unfortunately, through I guess bad catechesis, just don't understand what they're doing there. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of that comes from that too, you know? Absolutely. And I definitely think that these things would help with giving the proper reverence and solemnity due to what is actually happening at the mass. The mass is the most holy thing in the entire world. And the celebration of the Eucharist deserves our utmost respect. And it's a lot of these things really kind of fly in the face of that. And some of them, I don't think they're intentional. I don't think that the people are, no, but they are things that, you know, you give an inch, it turns into a mile, and these kind of practices. And they're bad. They're, they're typically <laughs> bad. They're, and terrible. They're, bad and they're terrible. <laughs> terrible. 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 All right. So I think this is one that we'll all agree on. So this should never happen at Mass. Clapping. Clapping. Ugh, clapping. Well, well I, I've, heard, I've heard a really good homily before, uh, and I think some people clapped after the homily because they're just like, thank God you're saying this. Yeah, you applause, know. you know, uh, from the Latin root laudare, to to give praise. Yeah, right? but we're not giving praise to human activities. True, we're giving praise to but, God. And, and, the and mass, that's the hope. If you're delivering truth and truth is being transmitted to people and they, that is their response. I would say that. I would say that that's okay. But if it's if it's just more of theatrics and, and applause for the person itself, like I granted, I, I've had people applaud at homilies before that I've given and I never take it to myself and I go right into the creed uh, whenever whenever that happens. My hope is that in the delivery of a message during the homily, that it would lead people to silent contemplation. Mm-hmm. I think that is the mm-hmm. ideal yeah. place to kind of, and it's like a, a beautiful musical piece, piece like a polyphony or, or a post-communion reflection uh, hymn, a beautiful piece of music to accompany people's prayer and contemplative uh, you know, thought yeah. process should ultimately lead people to silent awe and wonder. That would be the ideal way, not to immediately erupt in applause, because you really want people to get down to that deeper level of yeah. the contemplation of beauty and the transmission of God's love. So I agree, but at the same time, I don't know if it would be, you know, the, the top one for me. Uh, definitely not a preference, but... So uh, Pope Benedict, when he was Joseph Ratzinger, uh, in uh, The Spirit of the Liturgy... Beautiful book. Yeah, he wow. wrote... Beautiful man. Yeah, mm-hmm. love Pope This is Benedict. the guy, man. He's the guy. Yeah. He said, wherever applause breaks out in the liturgy because of some human achievement, it is a sure sign that the essence of liturgy has totally disappeared and been replaced by a kind of religious entertainment. Such attraction fades quickly. It cannot compete in the market of leisure pursuits, incorporating, as it increasingly does, various forms of religious titillation. Mm-hmm. So oh. basically he's saying, look, if, if applause breaks out during the Mass because something some kind of human achievement, you are taking the focus off the sacrifice of the mass and you're turning it into a show. And there is no way that the church is going to keep up with other shows. So it's a complete, it's, it just, it doesn't have a place in the liturgy. I can see as an exception, a spontaneous applause for a amazing homily. Look, would, uh, would I have applauded when urban the second called for the crusade at Clermont during mass? Probably. Mm-hmm. Am I going to applaud because someone played a, a violin solo? No, it's, it's just, it shouldn't happen. 
Go perform a concert. Don't do it in the mass. I mean, it's beautiful music, but it's for the praise of God, for the praise of our Lord. And when you are directing the praise towards that performer, the the orientation of praise and the really laudatory changes. nature of mass completely changes and it has yeah. no place. I, I think what Pope Benedict is getting to is is so good to to reflect on. And again, you know, I do want to underline a, a sense of response to a message, you know, culturally speaking, you know, in, in relationship to preaching in an African-American Catholic parish or church. And I'm telling you, I love preaching in that environment because you get an immediate response from the people that are listening and they're involved and they're practicing. And it's definitely more of my cultural uh, response as well, because when I'm, when I'm listening, people bust my chops all the time because I'm like, Hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I mm. see you do that. You know, like mm. I do it all mm. the time mm. and it's just an extroverted thing that I do. But at the same time, it's a response to so something that I'm receiving. things that shouldn't happen. So, yes, uh, you shouldn't be like, mm, 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 mm. you know, like the, the inexpressible groanings that happen within, within the heart, the, yeah, the natural that's, response. That's we're not, different. Yeah. We're not, we're not working toward, okay, this is a human achievement applaud, you know, the music or the homily or the liturgy or whatever. I would say if it happens during the announcements before, before yeah. the dismissal, that's okay too, yeah. at least in my mind, because yeah. that's like a somebody proper, celebrating 50 years. Right. Yeah. Or, that, that's okay. But if yeah. it's, you know, for Mary. music or for God yeah. forbid, some kind of dance or something like that, just, just don't yeah. just save it. Tell them afterwards how great, how great they did. Number two, right. Number two. All right. Number, number two. two. And this one, this one's, Bad. Just bad. I don't like this. Of course you it don't. It gets your goad. Look. Goad. You'll go to a mass <laughs> and there'll be a hundred people and there'll be 13 Eucharistic ministers. Mm-hmm. Ex- extraordinary Eucharistic ministers. That needs Extraordinary to st- ministers of Holy Communion. EMHCs. Yeah. That needs to stop. That's way too many. And it completely flies in the whole reason to have that. I mean, you, d- you don't need that. You do not need... This is, it's not extraordinary anymore. It's every Sunday you have the same 10 people up there for 50 people on mass. It's, that is exactly. What's the proper, uh, look, if you're having a mass with, you're having a mass with a thousand people and it's practically impossible to get through to everyone in a reasonable time. Okay, sure. But what is time? a reasonable time? What's the ratio? So What's right a now, time? I have I have I serve roughly around five hundred and fifty mm-hmm. at our at five hundred and fifty to six hundred people at our larger mass, mm-hmm. right? So with say one, two, three, four, so say eight communion stations up front, it takes approximately eleven minutes for the distribution of Holy Communion. Mm-hmm. And if it was just myself and, you know, say it was just, you're going to double take, that. Yeah, it'd be double, yeah. You'll, you'll it, double it, that. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It takes 10 extra minutes to mm-hmm. receive the very body, blood, mm-hmm. divinity, and soul of our Lord. I mean, mm-hmm. it just shows our culture just how impatient it is that, uh, how inconvenient it would be to receive the Lord. If they truly believe that that was the Lord, they would wait a lifetime for it. True. And they can't wait 10 minutes, so they have to have Mary Beth do it. Mm-hmm. Come on. Mm-hmm. But we, we need to take catechetical steps to get to the point where we can cultivate a sense of culture of silence, inviting in the anticipation, the procession, and all of that type of stuff. Well, I would argue receiving communion as the normative way from a layperson definitely 
diminishes the the gravity most people feel towards mm-hmm. the Eucharist. And I would say that it is a visual negative catechesis. Mm-hmm. But again, I think, and we've talked about this in previous episodes too, I think moving back to a communion rail where 100%. people receive on the tongue and, and you know, and, and they're there anticipating and waiting, the whole processional line, it just becomes clustered. You know, you've got somebody genuflecting afterwards, somebody might trip. It's just, it's, it's a real, it is a, it is a, a problem that needs discussion. Mm-hmm. And I do think going back to something like that and getting rid of, of, you know, this, the, the, this manner does, of distribution. Work. And I think it, I think it hurts the belief in the true presence because it's just any, you know, in most people's mind, I know mm-hmm. that these are good people and they're, they've had training, but in most people's mind, they're like, Oh, I don't know. They just handing it out. It loses some of the. I think in the perception, not in the actuality, because it's still truly the true presence, but it loses that. And I think that's definitely part of the visual decline of this, the sanctity of mass that makes people lose belief in the true presence, which is the number one problem in the church today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I, I appreciate the order from the altar, from the priest's hands, mm-hmm. kneeling at the altar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rail. The altar rails. All right. So communion under both species or, or one. Um, well, that's intinction is not a Roman or Latin practice. Um, you know, under both species is good. Is it necessary? No, because even in the smallest molecule of the Eucharist, he is fully present. So you do not need both to somehow fully receive Christ. You don't. So... Is it ne- is it necessary? Absolutely not. Theologically or practically, it's not necessary. Is it a good practice? Yes. All right. Number three. Number three. And this this talks about receiving under both forms. Um, drinking, receiving from the cup when you're sick. Ooh, yeah. Ugh. Shouldn't do that. I don't. I don't receive from the cup just because I don't want to get sick, even if somebody does that. Yeah. I mean, it's it is. If you know that you're sick and you're receiving from the cup, that is. <clears throat> Don't do that. You yeah. get people sick. There's old ladies drinking from that who don't have your immune system. You, like I said, you're still receiving fully the divinity uh, and soul body uh, of Christ. You don't need to do drink from the cup if you're sick. So, Could I add something? Yes. Lipstick. Oh, oh yeah. No lipstick on the uh, chalice. Yeah. Yeah. That happens a lot. Lipstick. Lipstick on the channels, yeah. Look at the look at the purificators after mass. Oh god. Mostly oh. lipstick. A lot of lipstick. Oh goodness. Mm. All right. Here's another thing that needs to stop happening at mass. People getting up and leaving their seats and wandering around for the sign of peace. Stay in your seat. Don't go to the back <laughs> of the church. Don't you know, talk to them afterwards. Yeah, and I you know, I... I think we kind of culturally lost the understanding of what we're doing there because of the peace. You know, when people share the peace sign, like with the two fingers, I mean, that's not the peace we're talking about here. And I always make it a point to say, peace of Christ be with you. Like I, I am praying for you that when you receive his precious body, that you have this overwhelming peace in your heart. I'm, I'm, going to my brother and sharing that with them in that time. I think that's a beautiful thing. There was a priest from uh, an order in in Spain, Father Colum, and he gave a little catechesis that was life-changing from my perspective on that, 
where he said, you know, you're not turning around to offer peace to everybody in the congregation and you're running around and shaking hands and hugging and, and exchanging peace that way. It's, it's very symbolic of the greater peace that you offer to your neighbor. Mm -hmm. So it's speaking more to an existential reality of extending peace to your neighbor that you wish peace uh, the peace of Christ upon them. But it so it be, just happens it, it, to be, be the, almost for your own benefit as much as for the others and that you're willing to give peace to well, others. That's a, that's a good, that's a good point too. But I was, I was in a situation, a big shout out to St. Jo St. Joseph Academy, oldest Catholic high school in the state of Florida. I worked there for a few years, have a lot of love for the Academy, but there was a number of catechetical opportunities with, with the young people and the high schoolers there because of the sign of peace. You just heard the eruption of just, you know, a lot of talking, yeah. a lot of, you know, and yeah. they're kids, you they're know, kids, yeah. and it, it became an opportunity for me to say, guys, everyone take a breath. We're in the celebration of mass when you extend peace and just to break it open, this is what you're doing. Yeah. And we want to stay manageable within the liturgy. So we're focused on what Christ is doing to us and mm. offering us peace, peace. I leave you. Right. So first we must receive his peace in a prayerful, receptive manner in order to give peace. And Pope Benedict went in, I think, in the spirit and the liturgy, where he said, we need to explore other areas that we could apply the exchange of peace, maybe not at that point. Because I find at that point of the liturgy, it's like you're moving to this pivotal moment of the action of the distribution and the rite of communion. And now I'm distracted by everyone's, my surroundings. Yeah, everyone's running around like, hey, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just... You know, the sign of peace is optional. Mm -hmm. It is, right? It is. Mm -hmm. um, it would be my preference that it was left out more often. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Number number four. All right. This one's kind of like it, which is uh, excessive socializing before Mass. When you know, everyone's just talking and laughing and this and that. I see, I see it after Mass before I see it before I see it, Mass. You know, Way before after. Mass, I mean, even, even Pope Francis has spoken out about this multiple times that... Before Mass, uh, there really needs to be reflection and preparation for Mass, and uh, it's not happening enough. Um, you know, if you're not preparing for Mass, that's that's on you. But distracting others from being from their preparation is, is selfish. So I think that's another thing that having a little bit more <laughs> austerity. I think about these two old ladies at this daily Mass I used to go to, and they're just catching up, you know, whispering and catching up on, you know, what. You know, so and so did, and there was this going on. I'm just like, oh my god. Um, well, I I started uh, playing Gregorian chant. Oh, for, that's a good idea. Yeah, and so before mass, it started with just trying to create more of a an area of silence and preparation for the sacrament reverence. of reconciliation and reverence, and then to also good muffle idea. out because I, I'm behind you know glass windows. I, I want to create more of a, like a static noise as well mm. for just for privacy yeah. of the penitent. Um, but it's flowed over into other masses as well. So the chant is playing in the background and kind of muffling down the, the noise of chatter. Um, but I'm reminded of St. Faustina's words that she would recommend at least an hour of silence before the mm. celebration of mass. And you think of fasting, right? Not eating, not listening to anything before, because you want to starve the senses so that you're hungering for the yeah. word of God. Yeah, you, you touched on That's another thing on our list is not fasting before mass. Mm -hmm. That practice is almost completely lost. Um, one hour. I is it one hour? One hour. 
I, I, I would receive communion yes. or before, before the you mass re- starts? Before you receive communion. But if you're oh. looking for the nuance and trying to get out of it, you've lost the spirit of it. Well, mm-hmm. I'm just wondering what the church is like. It's one hour before reception. Before reception. I, I do it before mass. Which I, is that's better. what I thought. As as children of this culture and in this in, in the world of modernity, we are constantly being stimulated and we are engaging realities constantly. We're constant in a loud, very, very loud culture, and we avoid silence. But silence creates that anticipation, that longing. And it's really, really important to realize that it's fasting from the senses, not only fasting from food. And I despise celebrating mass on a full stomach. I cannot, I, I just don't feel good. I, I, I don't feel like I'm hungry. It's difficult at times when I have the 8.30, the 10.30, the 12.30, yeah. and I haven't had anything. Yeah. So between the 10.30 and the 12.30. You two masses a day, right? Yeah, it, but I'm in a complicated situation because of pastoral need. I don't have an associate. Mm-hmm. It turns into two, three masses on, on Sunday, which is permissible. Right. But On Sunday. On Sunday. But the, the situation that I face is, you know, maybe during the 10.30 and the 12.30, I'll have a yogurt or something like that where my stomach's not too yeah. full, but at least I get something. I like your yogurt. But, um, you do love your yogurts. Yeah. I do. Mm-hmm. What's next? All right. So the next thing, um, keeping your phone on when you go to mass, turn the ringer off. Guys, come on. And if you don't know how to do that, leave your phone in the car. Leave your phone in the car. Yeah, I leave it in the car. Yeah. 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 I just, because, I, I mean, I don't need it. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't need it. I don't need my phone. Mm-hmm. Turn your ringer off. Yeah. I mean, but... You invariably, it'll be right during the, you know, right during the consecration, someone's phone That's will go up. Like, Whose phone is ringing? Like a, mine, mine, mine. mine. Uh, Whose phone uh, is ringing? Mine, mine, mine. mine. <laughs> it's just like, guys, it's not hard. It's a switch. Turn it off. Uh, and then someone's phone will go off and they'll like, they'll not acknowledge it. And they'll just let it keep ringing so no one knows it's them. Uh, it's the best. <laughs> like, we know it's, just turn your phones off. Not hard. <laughs> there was, <laughs> there was a, an Asian broadcast of like a, a news station and it was like news bloopers. I love watching, watching that on YouTube. And the guy's phone goes off right during the show and he takes it out of his pocket and you just see him and he like chucks his phone oh across the set and you just hear it crash like. <laughs> oh, it was great. Yeah. I, I mean, how often do you hear a phone go off during mass? Just turn your phones off. There's no. It happened this it. past weekend for me. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What song played? Whose phone is mine? No. <laughs> Whose phone is ringing? Mine, mine, mine. mine. <laughs> um, all right. Another thing that needs to stop happening at mass is not donating. Tithing. Yeah. You yeah. know what's weird though with this 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 uh, electronic thing? You know, like I don't. Mm-hmm. visibly put anything in, but I'm, I'm t- they're taken out of my mm-hmm. bank account. And I don't know. One of them used to send like this little red slip. You put it in. And you could put in the basket. And I was like kind of embarrassed. Like, well, what am I doing mm-hmm. putting this red slip in there? So it's just kind of weird that it's good because I don't have to write checks and do all these other things, but it, I, I still like tangibly putting something in. I'm thinking I lo- about changing that. I love that. online giving personally, but yeah. also uh, as a pastor and, uh, you know, as a administrator, I like having the consistency of a clear forecast of, you know, yeah. where are we? it's, it's very, yeah, it very helpful. Yeah. It's so helpful. Look, it's but hard. I understand like the basket is, is a tradition that has been passed on, no pun intended, right. but you know, from, from generation to generation as, as an offering, but to even go back to other ways that you can give 
in relationship to what comes in the offertory, whether it's food or other types of things that you could bring before the altar for the blessing really? and the distribution. You would accept food? Absolutely. The, okay. Do Absolutely. people do that? I, I, I haven't seen it in any churches, but oh. historically, that's exactly was, what happened. Look, and I would love the, to move back to something like that. It's yeah. for the benefit of the church, and all of us have the responsibility of supporting the churches, our church, and we have that responsibility and just obstinately not donating, yeah. Um, God sees what you're doing. I think there was a stat that I read. Dude, a you number cannot, of years you ago. cannot be more generous than God. Oh yeah, you can't yeah. be. So and He's given you everything, right? And He's given you everything. So giving something, just making an effort. It would be good to get numbers again, but I think back, I forget how many years ago it was like 3.6 percent tithing. Yeah, by by a Catholic, where you know evangelical churches, Baptist churches. Oh, it's like almost. They're 100. a strict 10 percent. Yeah. you know, tithing community, scriptural tithing community. I don't think tithing is necessary for Catholics. It's not. It's not in the law. It's not even what the church recommends of tithing. Um, for some people, tithing is impractical because of the razor thin margins of their budgets, and it's just unrealistic for someone making thirty two thousand dollars a year with two kids and a mortgage and a car to give up 10% of the income. They can't do it. Yeah. So tithing is not ever demanded by the church. Giving with a generous heart is more important than a, a, someone giving 10% with no love. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the widow's might. So it's really about giving with true generosity and thanksgiving for the support of the church and for the, the deeds and the activities that the church does to protect and nurture all of its people. That's mm-hmm. the thing that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. What's next? But the widow's might is giving way more than 10%. Well, it was everything she had. Yeah. But it was, see, for some people, if they're making mm-hmm. $30,000 a year, giving 10 bucks that week is a lot of times an incredibly big deal. I mean, they, 10 bucks is like, I'm see, not going to guess from I, my car. I don't know, man. I do believe in, in scriptural tithing. I do believe in 10%. I, I've had some stewardship models that... I was exposed to Christ the King. I mean, you know, Mort Danaher, Monsignor Danaher, who was such a wonderful priest, he he led people to that type of reality. And they were able to pay for all the kids' education, build out mm. the church property, evangelize the poor. Tithing's great. It's it, just, it's not a requirement of Catholics. But but at the same time, considering what that can do for a community is is tremendous. Right. It's really, really impactful. But it it will make you look at what am I doing you know, what is my lifestyle? Yeah. And how can I, how can I shift my lifestyle to accommodate this? Yeah. Because this is an important we thing. We could probably do a whole show on this because there's a lot I'm of topics there. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of topics to consider spiritually and mm-hmm. financially. And, For sure. You know. For sure. What's so next? what's the, what's the next one? So next, um, leaving early. People need to stop leaving mass early. Um, again, it's just that disposition that if you can't wait five more minutes. They uh, all try to get to their cars quicker, the parking lot. Look, if you can't, if if five minutes is the difference between you and your relationship with God, you radically need to reevaluate the (laughs) way you live your life. If you need to get to IHOP five minutes faster and ditch your God, see how that works out for you. See see, see who's going to save you, God or pancakes. That's part of the Eucharistic, I think, understanding. I don't. I don't think people I had such a bad, bad example, vigil mass, my first parish, just 60% of the people would leave. 
Yeah. After communion. Oh, at it broke Saturday my heart. vigil. Saturday vigil. They do it at my parish. They don't do it at any of the other ones. Honestly, but Saturday vigil is like most of the churches I've been at. The Saturday vigil has the worst behavior. I yeah. love the Saturday it vigil. It is very convenient, but it is very much a situation where when you give a person an inch, they take a mile. Oh yeah, and. It was a, the Saturday vigil was definitely a concession of mercy towards people in the modern world that have difficulty getting to Sunday. But again, you can't make it on Sunday. So you go on Saturday and you're still leaving early. Like, come on, man. Come on. I have to say the parish that I'm currently at at JP2, man, they, it's really, really good. But, hey, but there was, there's a family that came up to me because right after I bless everyone, go in peace, there's like a group in the back that immediately like skirts out. Yeah. So this this one family came up and they're like, Father, we were always told that you have to wait for the processional cross to to yeah. pass you before yeah. you can, you know. Yeah. I said, Yeah, I said that's a, that's a beautiful. That's, yeah. that's what I've always. You go said. out. You go out. You follow the priest. It's it's uh, devotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't mind if I commission you and I say go and go. announce the gospel of the Lord you and you're go. hitting and you're hitting it. I'm cool with that. Well, that's where the very name Mass comes from. It comes from the the old go dismissal, uh, Missaest, mm-hmm. which means it is ended. Go. So it's not mass until you've gotten that dismissal. Mm-hmm. So don't mm-hmm. leave early. I did that on Saturday vigil. You left early? No, right after the blessing. Took oh. off. Look, do you know who else left early from mass? Judas. 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 Don't be There's Judas. There's a sign on a, a, a parish in Keller, Texas. There's a, on the, on the doors where you're leaving, it says Judas left the mass early on all the doors. <laughs> oh, wow. Is that Love it. And nobody left the mass early. <laughs> You should have that done in Latin. Yeah. My first parish, it wouldn't have worked. I begged the people. I, there was one mass where I cried. I mean, I literally. They, they didn't go for that? They, I, I, I like maybe saved like three people over wow. the three years. And I was like, Ouch. They're just Believe like, it or not. yo, dude, you ain't even like. I mean, I got to the point where I was just so deeply like, and I delivered that. Oh, and gosh, man. There was a few people that wrote me and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to chain, blah, 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 blah. But mm. yeah, for the most part, people. <laughs> Obstinant. All right. Another thing that needs to stop happening at mass. Bad preaching. Mm. Now, this one's on the clergy. How do you stop that? By getting these priests some training in homiletics. Yeah. And getting some fire in them because, I mean, I don't, I, I hope I'm not telling anybody anything they don't know, but your, your homilies are not inspiring people and they're falling asleep. You're not nourishing the people with what you're saying. Yeah. And come on, guys, you, once a week, mm-hmm. you know. I think there are people in our community that clearly have the gift of preaching. Not everybody that goes through the seminary and formal training. There can be techniques that you can teach to help people that may don't, they may not have right. great public speaking skills. Yeah. There's techniques that you can help them with, but I'm going to be, I, I'm going to present a liberal take on this that you're, that you're going to be like tearing investments on. But I, I believe, you know, like who's the, who's the patron of, of preachers? Do you know who the patron of preachers is? Golden tongue. Christendom? No. Christ, St. John Chrysostom. Can I stop John the show? No. Nope. Uh, St. Dominic. No. St. Catherine of, of Alexandria. Oh, Alexandria. Okay. Oh. Persuasive speech. You know, so um, I was baptized in her church in Blauvelt. I got to know her, obviously, because it was my titular parish where I was baptized. But, you know, there are men and women who have the gift of preaching. Not everyone's I understand I fully recognize that not everybody is going to be a gifted orator. But but the church has to be more accommodating in my humble opinion 
in relationship to men and women who have that gift, who are properly trained theologically and biblically to, to be able to, them. exactly. I think we need to move in that direction and, and having that, then the message is being driven more clearly. And on top of that, with people who have the gift and the church has to accommodate and make capacity for that. In the early church, it was that way. I mean, men and women spoke within the context of the liturgy. They shared testimony. Mm. And and that builds the the fabric of our of our mystical union. So you're saying like some layperson can get up there and if do they their own? if they're given that faculty by okay. the bishop, oh, they why can, not? Why not? If they if oh. they have gone through their training, they don't if have they to be have, a deacon or anything. Well, like if, that. They, if they have that faculty, that's just not in the holy orders, though. It's 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 not look, it's not the this, same amount of time. At this point. Is something that could occur. Yeah, but with the we could look at time, it historically and argue it, though. Yeah. yeah, but with the amount of time that it would take to administer and train those people, just train your priests. Yeah, but at the same time, at the same time, it takes a gift. And I'm telling you, there's there's people like I'm thinking Lisa Brennickmeyer walking with purpose. She is a phenomenal, phenomenal preacher. And, you know, there's no concessions. She's very, very well trained. You can send her through a formation program, evaluate her theology, evaluate all of this stuff, offer her feedback and then let her let her speak. Yeah, Mm. but preaching the gospel and giving the homily. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Sorry. No, I, I just, I, I know that you wouldn't, you wouldn't feel, you wouldn't feel uh, strongly about this. No. I do feel strongly about this mm-hmm. because it's down to the very origins of our church. Yeah, But that's look, that's, that's putting a bandaid on the problem. The bigger problem is that priests are not preparing or are not good at preaching. There's they're not getting said You can't even tell what they're saying, Ryan. What are you saying? I mean, like, how do you look, even like preparation makes up for a multitude of lack of talent. Uh-huh. So if they were more prepared and gave it more effort to their preaching, There's you might a, not be a good, you might have a bad voice, a bad accent, and you might not have anything good to say, but if you prepare well enough, you can at least do an adequate job. There's a website called ePriest where yes. they, they help priests prepare for uh, their homilies. There's, mm-hmm. there's 2,000 years of homilies on any topic yeah. for any gospel reading, go read them mm-hmm. and re- they read them out loud, read it out loud. Go read it. Say, I'm going to read to you today from yeah. a homily by St. John Chrysostom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a much better answer than having a lay woman coming in and giving Bro, a homily. If you read, I will fight you. If you will read Ooh. a homily of St. John Chrysostom, if I read a homily of St. John Chrysostom at a mass, people would be like, yeah. it would be, it yeah. would be fall asleep way, when he was reading them. No, see, the, the thing is, is if guys, even if you're not good at public okay. speaking and delivery, start with something that's relatable that you can remember without reading. Make a point, tie it to the scripture, and then apply it to people's lives, and be done in five minutes. Right. You know, if you don't have the delivery, see, of, that's preparation. Of, it, it is preparation, and but guys prepare, guys prepare, and they're preparing these theological discourse and these, this exegetical way of delivering messages. I guess during, you know yourself. You have to know yourself, but at the same time, you know, people may approach that and say, like, I'm, this is really good material. It may be good to read, but not to deliver. Well, okay, that might have been a, a hyperbolic statement that they should just read from the church father. Are you guys in accord here now? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I hope that we're both in agreement on this, that this needs to stop happening at mass. And that is receiving communion in mortal sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That uh, I mean again, like it's just people not knowing, man. It's it's I don't think you know, people that receive immortal sin understand what they're receiving. It's just impossible. You, your heart would your heart would cringe in an utmost way, knowing that you're immortal saying going to receive communion. I mean, if you really knew what that was. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think this is more tied to the fact that there's just, I mean, the lines for confession are 20 times longer than they are. I'm sorry, for communion are 20 times longer than they are for confession. And that is a true imbalance. And this isn't to be wagging the finger and saying, well, you're sinners. It's, it's, it is, um, they're bringing their own uh, judgment upon themselves you know, yeah. receiving but, unworthily. But again, this is, this has got to be put in. This is now, this is not something that you it, or it's I not the are, lay. It's not the lay people's fault. No, it's, it's catechesis. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's availability. You go, I've, I've been to a number of churches. Confessions are 15 minutes long, 445 to five o'clock. It's crazy. How, how are you going to develop a culture and reverence right. for the sacrament of reconciliation right. when it's just 15 minutes yeah. a week? How many penitents are you going to receive in the sacrament? Yeah. Yeah, I, get a, I go to a, a daily mass at a place and he's in there every day yeah. for 30 minutes before mm-hmm. mass. He's probably praying his breviary or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and rosary mm-hmm. or whatever. He's in there all the time and people come from far and wide mm-hmm. to go to confession because they know he's going to be there. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. All right. Another thing that needs to stop happening at mass is dressing inappropriately. It's just, look, it, if you will dress up to go to Applebee's to have a freaking martini. I, I wouldn't do that. Well, there's people who would, but they won't dress up for mass. Yeah. Right. Come on. Just give well, some what's dressing up. Right. I wear like a collar Again, shirt. It is about interior reflection that you are, your clothes or the way you're presenting yourself are a reflection, are a reflection of your desire to honor. Hey, look, if you don't have nice clothes, gotcha. If you I have, need to start wearing if you, nicer if clothes. If you have potato sacks and that is the nicest thing you own, and you wear it, and you're wearing it as true Wondering reverence God. to Christ, yeah. then it's fine. Dude, I have this crazy story that happened at Santa Maria del Mar and Flagler years ago when I was a youth director. This guy walks in, and, and you know, like all these, these lay women ran, ran to the back into the, uh, into the sacristy where I was preparing things for Father John to celebrate the Mass, and they said, Richard, there's a man in the church without his shirt on. I'm like, why not go in the church? And... This guy, you know, big, big six foot five guy, like huge, huge guy. And he's got tattoos all over himself and he's wearing baggies and flip. He's not even wearing flip flops. He's barefoot. No shirt on. Right off the beach. And um, I said, hey, man, what's up? I I said, I'm Rich Pagano. He's like, what's up, Rich? What What do you want? Yeah. So I'm like, uh, hey, man, can I talk to you real quick? Um, He's like, what? What's wrong? What's wrong? I said, hey, bro. I said, nothing's wrong, man. I said, just. Just come with me real quick. I just want to talk to you. So he came with me to the sacristy. And he him in the back with a crowbar. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, hey man, um, you know, you're gonna have to put like a shirt on or something. <laughs> <laughs> got, and he's like, what? You don't accept me? God accepts me for who I am, where I am, and how I am. God, you know, he starts going, going, going. I said, hey man, I'm cool with that. You just can't have no shirt on, and all these women look at—they're they're distracted. They're looking at you. <laughs> I said, "You gotta help me out. Put a shirt on." I said, "Here's a shirt right here. You can wear this. It's my shirt. <laughs> wear the did shirt." He, did it fit him? And he's wear like, shirt. he starts going into it again, like whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, and I could just tell. So I, 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 I drew close to him. I looked him in the eyes. I said, "Hey, man, there's no judgment here." Yeah. I said, how much? Shirt. How much do you have to drink today? And he just went silent. I said, "Listen, man, I like you." 
I said, why don't you come back tomorrow and come and see me? Huh? We'll talk. We'll get to know each other. And he's like, and he walked, he walked away. He didn't, he didn't go to the next day. He came, poor guy was addicted to heroin. Oh man. You know, not only alcohol had a lot of problems and I was able to minister to this guy and he, he started helping me at the church every, every week. Beautiful. Gave him some work. And, and it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful, the guy unfortunately passed away from the addiction, but uh, God rest his soul. But um, yeah, ministered to his mom and. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, that I, number one, that's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. You know, you are a good priest, no matter how much I pick on you. Call me a lib. Yeah, you're not a lib, but you just, <laughs> that's an easy way to pick on you. Because <laughs> you, you call me a trad. I do. So I call you a lib. <laughs> and I true. just watch. It's yeah. true. You're just sitting over Big there like you got a Bernie's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I don't, yeah, like it's not that kind of instance. It's really, again, and it's not even what you wear. I don't care what you wear necessarily. It's about the attitude that you present yourself with. Uh, if you knew that you were going to see the historical Jesus in his earthly ministry, you would not go there wearing, mm-hmm. you know, what right, you typically right, right. wear to big, mass. And there big, is big, no big difference. Shout out to my ushers, man. They they look sharp the every nines. week. The ladies Good. are dressed beautifully. Guys are wearing ties and suit coats, even in the middle of the summer, which I, which I was, it would be hard for me to wear a suit with uh, you know, yeah, try it like uh, <laughs> back to the future too. wear two ties. Um, so what's the next one? All right. So the next one, and this one's a particular one that irritates me because it's such an easy change that just so irritable. I am Ryan not Shield. having the sanctus bells during the consecration. It's such an easy thing to bring back. That is a nod to, 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 to tradition that is incredibly powerful and beautiful element of the mass that, that should just be happening. Mm-hmm. Look, yeah. when there's that, when where the magic happens, it's not magic draws, draws your attention. No, it does, it but attention. I mean, it's almost Pavlovian that you hear those bells. I mean, when I go to a mass that doesn't have the bells, even during the elevation, I hear the bells. I feel the same way about the big bells and the and and yeah. you know, like the a bell tower and even like the sound of the organ. Mm-hmm. You know, I I would. Lo- it's just so expensive. Organs are so expensive, yeah. dude. But get an electric one. Plug a Casio into expensive. A, a Casio into a sound system will cost you three hundred bucks. Get one. Casio. A Casio. Yeah. With my Casio watch. With your Casio watch. Talk to me. If, if you need the money, I'll show you how to do it. Fifteen it's easy. things. It would be sixteen things. We hate to see it, but it's now <laughs> Casio. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, there, there's ways around that now. You don't need an entire. You just play German songs Silver bell. You know. Silver bell. Oh Lord. Silver right, And um, here's another thing. Genuflecting towards the altar and not the tabernacle when the tabernacle is in a different area of the church makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Makes no sense. Look, you, you genuflect when you enter the church towards the tabernacle, even if that's in off at a side altar or wherever it's at. Yeah. Then you bow towards the altar. Or if the tabernacle is behind the altar, then you genuflect. But again, it goes back to the whole concept of people not understanding the true presence and not truly believing that Christ is present. I don't, I don't like it when they move the thing over the side and stuff. There's a church in, in, in the diocese, in my yeah, diocese. and it's like, where is he? Yeah. It's like, where's Waldo? That's the worst, that's the worst feeling. I have just like, what, what? where I have the, the blessed sacrament now is kind of what I've inherited. And it's in like what we're calling the chapel. And I'm trying to do my best. Cause we're on this interim 
you know, facility right now that's multi-purpose and yeah. it's it's just challenging. See, I just I, pray that we build this so church. Weird. But there's churches sometimes yeah. where the chapel of repose is in a side chapel and it is a very beautiful St. Peter's. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I'm not yeah. saying I'm not saying I get it. That could be a beautiful area. The Basilica Shrine of our lady in DC, it's in a different area, but it's a big chapel where mm-hmm. you go and you sit for that purpose of reverence. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what we're purposing our chapel for, which for Eucharistic yeah. yeah. adoration, devotion. Which is still yeah. non preferential than having it being at the Hidden. altar. Like some people just hide it. Like right. I dream I dream of a church that we can build the that you can have these beautiful, you know, uh curtains that close you know, off the area of adoration for, you know, just yeah. daily adoration or yeah. daily mass. And then the full focus is on the altar, which is the most important thing liturgically that we're focused on. That's why we bow to the altar. And then we genuflect when the presence of Jesus comes after the, after the epiclesis where the hands of the priest come over the, over the bread and the wine and transubstantiation takes place. And it is Jesus's body, blood, soul, and divinity present upon the altar. The altar calls to mind the resurrected body of Christ this is that's the whole focus and our liturgy has to to you know focus in on that and but the space constructing the space is so important to be able to identify that and i've always imaged that like you know you know right before mass the curtains close and the lights change and focus on the altar to help people in the process of well, that's almost, seeing the place of repose as you arrive and spend time in that's almost like prayer. the iconostasis in an eastern church where mm-hmm. the, the doors open open the doors open the doors mm-hmm. you know and they mm-hmm. have you know in and out, and then when it's open, you can see the sanctuary. So, I mean, I think historically there's there's some precedence there, and I do think that there is some novelization of church designs that can happen that take into account new ideas, but then also deeply incorporate tradition. The because tradition mm-hmm. they swung and missed from like 1960 to oh, like yeah. they're terrible big time. I just saw a you know a baptism taking place and it was just a very very tiny bowl and was there was like a one pit, with the, a picture <laughs> no that that bapt- oh god uh. bless um, but it was a pitcher of water and uh. and it's just you know like it's something that you would use for lemonade and, and oh, it's, like, just, it's like Mr. Cool I think like, oh yeah uh. it's, <laughs> it's heartbreaking they it's all, the like, most beautiful sac- water at the party where afterwards. you look at the baptismal fonts of, like the of Saint John Lateran. I I don't use the shell, but yeah, I think it's beautiful, but right? you know the Saint John Lateran. Um, you know the this the beautiful bapti- baptistry in Milan where Saint Augustine was baptized. Ooh. These massive pools of water. You know, like to to have something beautiful and big. That when you're celebrating the Easter Vigil, when you're celebrating baptisms, you can it's have full immersion, point. or you can have a larger a larger place to to celebrate these mm-hmm. uh, the the most important fundamental sacrament of our salvation, baptism. Absolutely, but it's yeah, it's a little tangent. All right, so last one. It's going to be controversial. Holding hands during the Our Father. I was wondering if you were going to talk about that. Mm. Look, there is nothing in the church that says you shouldn't do that. There is people that there are people out there that love holding hands during. Look, the but Our if Father. I'm I'm in mass and someone's like, <laughs> like <laughs> you're going to love this story, buddy. Dude, I'm going to I'm going to snap your wrist. <laughs> Most recently, the the Holy Father has ex, uh, extended the celebration in the Roman calendar. During December, I think it's December 10th or 11th for the Holy House in Loretto. Yes. So he universalized that celebration. Which was awesome. Which is fantastic. And I've been there. When I went, Father Tetlow was leading a pilgrimage. And 
<laughs> and he had to go back. Unfortunately, the a priest passed away, so he had to leave. And there was a priest in Loretta that could celebrate the English Mass. Now I'm coming from Santa Maria del Mar. My liturgical experience is isolated to two churches, St. Elizabeth and Santa Maria. And we always hold hands at the Our Father. So here's this very traditional Italian priest that's celebrating the liturgy, and I'm serving the Mass. And he goes into the Our Father, and he's got his hands in the Oron's position. And I move up close to, like, you know— I'm like, am I, I'm supposed to hold this guy's hand. <laughs> and I go and I, I reach for his hand. So reach for my hand. Reach for my hand right now. Hard pass. Come on. No, seriously. Reach for my hand. So as, as he reaches for my hand, the, the Italian priest goes like this. He's like. <laughs> he, sm he smacked my hand during the liturgy. Good. To which I like took three steps back and went back into like the, uh. the prayer. <laughs> stance. But it's like I didn't I didn't know better. That's exactly yeah. like my whole my whole upbringing was yeah. we hold hands during the Our Father. Or, this or, is, or that or that position the orange position during Our Father. That's also, I mean, it's reserved for the priest. You're not supposed to yeah, do it's that. It's reserved it's reserved for the priest, so the, the Oron's position. Um <laughs> But yeah, that that story, man, I, I'll never so forget funny. that. Then I asked him for a blessing afterwards. He was in the confessional. I knelt down and he he gave me a blessing, cocked back, and he slapped me on top of my head. Bam! Like right on the crown of my head. I was filled with chills when he did it. It was awesome. <laughs> he beat me up that, He's that like day. He's like a Benny Hinn. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> Benny Hinn, whapping you with the jacket. With the jacket. Uh, that's some good stuff oh, out yeah, there. Buddy. All right, so there you go. That's 15 things that need to stop happening during mass. I, I feel fair. better now. Do you feel yeah, better? Getting you weren't so, playing a little bit. You weren't so curt either. That's pretty good. You, I, I'm so, I really feel like in charity. I really do feel like I've grown over you know time. Uh, your yeah. delivery is, yeah. is softer. Yeah. yeah, you're getting soft on us. I know. I'm getting old. Congratulations. Hanging yeah. around you with your <laughs> liberation theology. And <laughs> That's not true. Your Do charismatic not. dance parties. <laughs> your hand holding. Your crystal chalices. <laughs> oh, gosh. None if there the, are crystal chalices out there, that also needs to. Yeah, needs there you go. There's a stop. bonus. Crystal yeah, chalices. Crystal chalices. Uh, All right, gosh. yeah. No. He's not like that. What about like wooden just... chalices? No. no. Precious metals. Precious metals. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, mm -hmm. that's in... They, the make, they make some of the olive wood chalices, and then they have a gold they inlay. They put orna ornamentations on yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. You know, something like that is is appropriate. Quit overthinking it. Just get a chalice. Yeah, just a, dude, come and on. there's so many chalices out there that can be remade and regilded, and yeah. they're beautiful. They're they're not that expensive. You know, it's yeah. it's something beautiful for the Lord, man. When yeah. it comes to vestments and chalices and liturgical space, do not spare. You know, yeah. it's. And that was that was John Vianney's. Uh, that was St. Francis. St. Francis yeah. lived in poverty and rags, and he never spared an ounce of gold for the altar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, personal poverty, personal austerity, but for the altar, nothing was too good for oh. for, his, for Christ. Amen. So right. we Amen. need that attitude. So Good episode, guys. Yeah, great episode. Yeah. yeah. All right. So before we bounce, why don't you tell everyone how they can find us? Well, my brothers and sisters, we want to make sure that you're commenting on all of our social media feeds, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And certainly, if there's more things that you think should be on this list, feel free to put those oh, on our they're feed. they're going to let us know. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you let us know every week anyway. They do. <laughs> so, and be sure to visit us at catholictalkshow.com. There you'll be able to figure out every way that you could listen in or view. And certainly, patreon.com forward slash Catholic Talk Show gives you the ability to support us financially so that we may continue to produce the show and reach new audiences by the way of your generosity. So we thank you so much. And you know what I love? No Inquisition this week, buddy. No Inquisition. So we'll see you next week.